Hey, everybody, and welcome to Crickets to Chachings. Today on the podcast, we are doing something a little bit different. My guest today doesn't actually have an Etsy shop. She has her own website on a standalone platform, but she has such an interesting story about how she built a business selling physical products that have a greater purpose behind them. And she runs an organization called Gift of Hope Haiti which empowers women to really raise themselves out of poverty through employment with her company. So I cannot wait to jump into this episode with you guys. And I can't wait to hear your feedback and how touched you are with the story that Mallory shares with us about how she got started and the kind of impact that this business is really making. Friends, you're listening to Crickets to Chachings, a show where we talk about all aspects of running a handmade business and marketing that business for success while still keeping a balance to have flexibility for your family. I'm your host, Lauren Keplinger, and I am so excited to get started. Let's jump right in. And welcome back to another episode of Crickets to Chachings. My name is Lauren, and this week on the podcast, we have Mallory Neptune, who is coming to us from Florida, and I'm really excited for her to share her story with everyone. Welcome, Mallory. Hey, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here, Lauren. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do and how you got started doing it? Yeah, so... Actually, I was living in Haiti when I first had the vision for my business. And just a little bit of my backstory, I originally went on a trip to Haiti when I was 16 years old to volunteer at an infant hospital. It was opened by Mother Teresa. And at the time, there were hundreds of infants there suffering from malnutrition. And I just spent that week changing diapers, feeding, holding them. And these kids were not sick with diseases that we couldn't find cures for, but simply starving because their families didn't have enough food to feed them. And at this point, it was 2003. And it just rocked my world as a teenager to see that this was just happening so close to our country. I mean, I was like an hour and 20 minute flight from Miami, Florida. And here, I was in this world that I really had been so sheltered from and had no idea that it even existed. And seeing that these babies were were so sick and even dying because they didn't have the basic staples of rice and beans. I just had this rage start to build up inside of me. And I just started dreaming of a way that I could empower mothers, these mothers who were sitting in the sun outside this hospital day after day, just waiting for a bed to open up for their child. What could be done to empower them so that they could give the basic necessities of life to their children. And that's where my journey of dreaming up an ethical fashion, sustainable brand started so that I could employ mothers who were living in poverty to break free from that. And Gift of Hope Haiti was birthed from there. Wow, that is so heartbreaking. <laughs> and I'm pregnant right now as we're recording this. Oh, and congratulations. I, thank you. I cannot imagine that feeling of helplessness, you know, that somebody would have with an infant and not being able to provide anything for them. Right. I mean, you can imagine these mothers really wait until the last minute to take their child into a place because they want their children, you know, they, they try so hard. And so by the time these children were coming to 
Mother Teresa's, they were just in such bad condition that sometimes they couldn't be turned around. They couldn't be saved. And I, I witnessed that, that pulling the white sheet over these babies and this man who sits in the backyard and builds these tiny baby coffins every single day. And it just, for no other reason than that their mothers couldn't give them food. Oh gosh, that's awful. So you were a teenager when you went on this trip. Did you start the business then or was there some life experience in between that? (laughs) Yeah, so many life experiences. But in preparation for that specific trip, my grandma had begun teaching me how to sew. And so I made like all the skirts that I wore on that trip and other things. She taught me the basics of pattern cutting, threading the machine, stitching and ripping out my mistakes, spent a lot of time doing that. Um, (laughs) Meanwhile, in Haiti, my husband, who I had not met yet, but at the same time that I was learning to sew, he was learning to make jewelry in Haiti. My husband is Haitian, and he was supporting himself and his younger siblings through the jewelry that he was making and would sell to like short-term mission teams or visitors that came down to Haiti. So after we met each other, we both had this passion and burden to help mothers feed and, and care for their children. My husband grew up with a single mom who passed away when he was a teenager, and she was able to sell t-shirts on the street just to keep their family together. And he never had to be in a situation where he was left living in an orphanage because of poverty. And yet he saw that happening to so many other children. And so he was very passionate about the opportunity he had to stay with his mom and being able to give that to more children in his country. And so when we met and our passions really united, it made sense that this this business would birth with a sewing program and a jewelry making program, which is, you know, what we still exist doing today. Okay. So how did you go from this sort of idea or um, vision of what you wanted, the people that you wanted to serve to turning it into an actual sustainable business that could work? Yeah, I think one thing we we really had to focus on was within our product creation, um, what are we going to make that the women have a talent or could learn the talent to make that would also sell in the US market because mm-hmm. anytime you're developing this business, you know, we we can't just base on what what we can do, but if there's not a demand for that product sale, the business isn't going to be sustainable. So, uh, we did, you know, some research on on the market and what we would be able to sell and so we started with very small little handbags and things to be able to train our women on quality and really focused on the quality of a product so that when we got to the point of sales in the United States, we were not looking for pity buys that people would say, Oh, I just I feel so bad for the children. I really want to buy this. It'll make a difference. But I'm not actually going to use it. We're like, No, we don't want to create a business around that model. We want to look at things that are fashion forward trend setting and be creating items that people really, really want. And then they find out, Oh, my goodness, there's a cause behind it. Right. And then, you know, that's just a bonus because they already wanted to purchase the product. Yeah, I think you make a really good point because there is that aspect of it sometimes with a business that has a very strong mission is that like, it is sort of a pity buy is a good way, a right. good way to say it, which is, you know, okay for like a fundraiser or something like yeah. a one off. But in terms of like having a business that sustains through time, that becomes a little difficult. Right. <laughs> So were you actually going down or were you still in Haiti, like training people how to make these things? 
Yeah. So I officially moved to Haiti like towards the end of 2009. And, you know, our, we originally opened a malnutrition program and we were working with moms just on small business loans and things that they could sell with in country before we started developing our own product. And so that happened for the first few years. And, you know, we were able to get some family sustainable. We were able to send children back home to mothers who were selling, you know, like my husband's mom t-shirts or or food or hygiene products on the street. But that really only brings them to a certain level of success and income. And that next step then in 2013, we took to actually hiring them on as employees of an ethical fashion brand. And that allowed them to earn, you know, a fair living wage every single day, which has really broken the chains of poverty right off from them. And we're just seeing, you know, huge life changes for themselves and their their larger family because of the opportunity for, you know, a steady employment. Okay, so they're actually employees, you're not just using them as contractors to make this stuff and then sell it on you're not creating a platform for them to sell. They're actually employees of your brand. Correct. Yeah, we have a very holistic uh, model through our it's a program and um, an employment that they're getting paid every single day, whether we sell it or not. That's my responsibility. <laughs> I have to make sure that the product is is sold. And we, um, you know, are making sure that there's follow through within different levels, we do social wellness classes, business training classes. So it's a very holistic way of caring for a family to really empower them out of poverty. But the beautiful thing is that they're able to do it with their own hands instead of waiting for, you know, a handout. Yeah, that's a really interesting business model because I feel like a lot of times when I see something that is set up in this way where you have somebody in the United States or in a, a like first world country partnering with people in a third world country, a lot of times it is more like a platform where they're not really taking on the risk of it not selling. But this really puts the ball in your court of driving the business part of it, but then still allows them to have this huge increase in the quality of life that they're providing for people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that was, you know, really relationship oriented from the beginning when I moved on to Haiti. I mean, I've lived there for 10 years now. My family actually is just currently transitioning into a stateside back and forth to Haiti model after being in Haiti for the last 10 years. Okay. My oldest son just started kindergarten. So we just started transitioning here to Florida so that we could be close enough to go back and forth. But, you know, being able to be there working with the artisans, you know, they really developed a sisterhood and become a family, an extended family for for us even. And so we also do have artisan partnerships within the country. So we employ Overall, we employ over 60 Haitians full-time within Gift of Hope specifically. We have 26 uh, women that so do artisan training and things. And then we also have outside artisan partnerships. We try to source a lot of the materials that we use for our jewelry and things inside of Haiti. So, for example, we have like an aluminum artisan who uh, works with aluminum um, off-site and he and his team like we develop the pieces, we give him the shapes, he develops the mold, makes them, and then brings them back to us. And then we have our jewelry artisans actually put the jewelry together. So same thing with our horn and bone line. So we're actually, you know, able to take that employment even further by contracting other artisans and talents within the country, and then bringing things to our artisan house to be able to put together into that finished piece. And that's been a really neat aspect of all of our 
our jewelry and things that are being locally sourced. So we're not just, you know, shipping in beads, making something that could just as well be made in the United States and shipping back out. But we're actually looking for sustainable, you know, resources, whether it be cow horn or goat horn that's been ethically sourced or the melted aluminum, or we do actually a lot with bottle cap earrings and bottle caps in general, the the Coke and Pop and Haiti is all um, within like glass bottles. And so there's bottle caps like laying in the street all over the place. And there's really no good recycling program in Haiti. So we started a recycling initiative and our women will just bring bottle caps to work that they found walking to work. Or we have different groups that have buckets out so that people can bring bottle caps to recycle. And then we've been, you know, pounding, sanding, painting on them and turning them into earrings. And truly, it's a remarkable product. People that see them are always astonished that they're actually bottle caps. And so it's just been really, yeah, a really fun way to incorporate uh, more of a a eco-friendly, sustainable living concept within a country that really has no idea or model of what that is. Yeah, that's really interesting. So when you're having this large group of people that you're working with and you are now going back and forth between Florida and Haiti. How, what is that like? Are y'all the only ones that are managing everybody or do you have somebody that's on the ground in Haiti all the time? That's like a, like a higher level manager or how does that work? The business structure of it? Yeah, we just, uh, we do have a manager in Haiti. Uh, Her name is Lucy and she is Haitian. She's bilingual. And we talk all the time. (laughs) I mean, back and forth, if I'm not there, like, you know, problem solving, what are we making, putting out the fires of the day. And so she's just a phenomenal um, help that's there with the employees every single day. Like our seamstresses have a lead seamstress manager that's, you know, the floor manager that's over them. And then Lucy's over the entire house. And then my husband and I still travel back and forth. But for the day to day operations, you know, that having that person on the ground, that's there with them every day, just problem solving issues with machines and the tagging and shipping products in and out. And you know, all of that has been really essential in order to let us step back a little bit. And that's really the goal of the whole program that that it can be entirely Haitian run. Um, And I I'm working more now that I'm here with the, you know, social media and the marketing and you know, just working on boosting those sales, both retail and wholesale with um, just new avenues that I have now that I'm living back in America, right, um, and not in the thick of the fire within the production side in Haiti all the time. Right. Allows you to step back and be more of the like visionary for where you want to go versus the day-to-day operations. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's a hard transition to make though. It is. It has been, you know, it's especially when, it, you know, it's like a baby. These businesses are like our babies. And so like having to learn, you know, okay, just like my baby's going to kindergarten. It's like, okay, gift of hope is also graduating into something new and I need to step back and, you know, be in my new role and, and let the others take on and, and lead and really shine. And it's been a beautiful process, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't been tricky. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So when you are, as you're building this business and, you know, it's obviously something that you feel really passionately about, but how do you convey that passion over? Are you, do you do mostly internet sales or is it mostly retail stores? How are you getting the word out about what you're doing? We have a brick and mortar store in my hometown of Midland, Michigan. So there's, you know, one avenue, but we definitely do post um, social media through Instagram and also on our web so that we drive traffic to our website. 
And then in Haiti, we have a boutique on site as well. So we kind of have those three retail platforms and then also wholesaling, you know, to other fair trade or, you know, ethical fashion boutiques across the country. Okay. So uh, buyer base is mostly in the United States. Correct. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So when you first started this whole venture and started to dive into this, I'm assuming your goals were to help these women with their babies that they couldn't feed. But how has that evolved as you've really gotten into it and and also just grown this team a lot bigger? Yeah, as you said, our first huge goal was orphan prevention and still is. But more specifically, when we opened, we really wanted to hire 10 moms. And then when that was successful, we increased it to 20. And right now we employ 26 mothers through Gift of Hope. And we're working on increasing that number. And at this point, you know, it's, it's totally dependent on sales. We have qualified mothers who desperately need work knocking at our gate, but we have to sell those products so that we can pay the salaries. Our goal through orphan prevention is job creation. And we're seeing that change happening that when that mother has the employment, her children all stay home, live with her. She can send them to school, afford the rent, feed them. So we're seeing that goal being met. And we just want to be able to increase that to more and more mothers. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Um, This is kind of a side note, but (laughs) I took an economics class in college. And one of the big focuses of it was micro lending. And there's all this research that suggests or proves, I guess, that when you empower women, the trickle down to the family improvement is so, so great. Whereas it's not no hate for the men listeners out there. (laughs) But that that same sort of effect is not seen by employing men or giving men in this case, it was micro lending loans, but it's not the same return on the investment in terms of the quality of family life and the education for the kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. We see that. We see that play out all the time in Haiti and empowering these women. We care so much for our children. And it's instead of going home and feeding themselves, the first person that's impacted are the children. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So when you are, you know, you said you you have people that are wanting jobs, but you, I mean, obviously you can't hire every single person. Right. (laughs) Are you really the one that's driving the products that are being made? Like, do you have, do you come up with the new collections and the new products? Or do you have people that come in that already have a skill that you then want to sell? No, we are the driving force of that. So we're, you know, researching the market here in the States and coming up with what our new products will be for this year and then training the ladies on those products and looking at how we can source things from within Haiti and also within the fabrics that get donated to us. So we actually have partnerships with uh, major companies here in the United States that use large amounts of high quality fabrics that they were sending to the landfill to be burned. These are like remnants and things that, you know, if a company makes couches or sofas and they have a tiny flaw in the fabric, they can't make a several thousand dollar couch out of it. But we can cut around it and make a bag. And so these companies were looking for a way to become more eco-friendly. And this partnership has really been so beautiful that instead of really burning up this fabric in a landfill, they send it to us in Haiti. And we're able to repurpose these fabrics into our bags, our accessory bags, purses, backpacks, and things. 
meanwhile, creating the jobs and employment for women. So not only is it protecting people, but it's also protecting our planet. Oh, wow. That's really interesting. (laughs) And also kind of sad that that's happening in the first place. (laughs) Oh, I know so much waste. And we're just so thankful for every bolt that makes it to us that we can repurpose into something beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So when you're looking at this retail space, how do you think that you're able to stand out against other companies that are maybe doing similar things or other companies that have a really strong purpose behind them? Like, What do you think makes yours unique or allows you to have a little something special? I think one thing that stands out is definitely the impact that's behind each purchase. So if we're being compared to, you know, brands or companies that have similar products to ours, we have that really impact that not only is reducing orphan and poverty rates, but also on that sustainability level. And we're striving to be a sustainable company throughout what we're using and reusing. And so I think that really does give us an edge. And then, you know, being compared on the other level, we also are compared to other fair trade and eco-friendly brands. And so we've really tried to focus on quality of our products. And again, that's kind of, you know, coming from not the pity buy, but just really trying to merge those two things of we can make something so beautiful in Haiti. These women who really had very little education, you know, would be considered to have very little talent can come and actually learn and produce something so quality, so beautiful that people want to buy and that there's an impact, you know, behind that purchase. And that that really does start to set us apart. Each product that we make um, is sold with a card that includes the woman's picture who made it and a little information about her life. And that card is people say they, they keep that and put that on the refrigerator, or they think about her, or remember to pray for her. And so, you know, really brings that tangible connection that you know who made that product and you know exactly who you're impacting when you buy it. Yeah, wow, that is really impactful. And I would imagine that a lot of the people that are buying from you are really bought into that mission and feel passionately about it as well. Yes, absolutely. I think, you know, once so many times we're as consumers in America, we feel so far from who makes our clothing and who makes our accessories. And that's one thing that I love so much about Etsy is that we can see that. And a lot of, you know, it's the makers that are selling things. Right. And that, but as far as big brands, we have no idea, like, was this made in a factory that looks like a dungeon that people aren't being paid fair wages? You know, where is this coming from? And so being able to connect that this is coming from a third world country, people are being empowered, they're being treated with dignity and respect, and you can actually know who they are and have that, you know, tangible connection in your life is just so powerful. Yeah, I was actually thinking the same thing as you were saying that, like, Etsy does allow that to happen to a certain extent. Like yeah. you know, there's a lot of moms and it provides this kind of ability to have flexibility that you probably wouldn't have in any other kind of job. But, you know, at the same time, like I'm a middle-class mom living in North Carolina, <laughs> you know, like yours takes it up a, a notch of, of like really having a really deep impact on somebody's livelihood in a way that we don't even probably really have the capacity to wrap our heads around unless you've experienced mm-hmm. it firsthand living in the United States or living in Europe or, you know, other like Western countries. Absolutely. I think it's like 
a lot, so many people care and they would, when we know better, we do better. Right. Right. Like I, I, before I went on that first mission trip to Haiti, I had researched about malnutrition and I, you see terrible stories on the news and yet we just, you know, take the next bite of our dinner or, you know, in a way are just desensitized by it. But when you hold that child in your arms and look into those mother's eyes, it's like, drop everything because this mom is about to lose this child. They're about to be separated and they may never see each other again. And this child may or may not make it through the night. And it's like, we don't take that another bite of dinner. You know, at that point, it's like, drop it, drop everything. What are we going to do? Because this has to end now. And living there for 10 years. I mean, every single day I've, I've lived that I've seen those mothers. I hear those screams and cries when they have to walk out the gate and leave that child. And enough is enough. And we can do we can do so much more we can do better. But again, it's a knowledge issue. I believe it's not a heart issue. People are broken when they hear that the actuality of what's happening with these poverty orphans across the country, but very few people are really hearing that message. And so the more that we can get our brand out there and let people know that simply choosing your backpack or your pair of earrings or whatever you're looking to purchase your t-shirt from this store, from this brand, you're allowing this mom to go home and feed her child instead of put that child in an orphanage. Right. And I think even like a greater part of that is that you are allowing that dignity of that person to earn an actual living from what they're doing versus, you know, which I think that there's a place for handouts and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, charitable type stuff. But in terms of like allowing somebody to actually have a livelihood, that's kind of a different thing that you're bringing to that person's life. Yeah, it's really exciting just to see the transformation that happens within them. I mean, you can imagine what these moms come to us like, like, eyes very downcast, really not wanting to make eye contact, just really depressed and, you know, vulnerable and feeling so horrible about their situation, yet feeling like they have no control and nothing they can really do about it. Right. And because we run that malnutrition program in conjunction with Gift of Hope, as these moms sometimes come knocking on our gate thinking they're going to leave their child in our malnutrition program. And within about 30 to 45 minute conversation with my husband and I'll sit down with these moms and say, would you actually like to keep your child? What if you had a job? If you had a job, would you want to keep your child? Do you know how many moms have said no? Zero. Very few. Zero moms. Yes, exactly. Right. It's like zero moms say no. Like, yeah, if I had a job, I would keep my child. Like, but I have no job. It's like, come tomorrow. Let us show you something. You can come to work. You take your child home. And I tell you what, those moms, they start clinging tighter to that baby. They start making eye contact. And to see them walk out the gate with their child that they thought they were going to leave. I mean, so powerful. They show up for work that next day and join this sisterhood of women who have all brought themselves out of poverty and just the rejoicing that happens over their lives. And they're just welcomed into this really empowering sisterhood and just able to, to transform everything that they've known and just break free of that poverty with simply showing up and learning a very basic skill that they get to come and do every single day. And their kids are in school now and they have a roof over their head and they're not, you know, sleeping on the street and not finding a place for their kids simply because they can come and pound bottle caps to make earrings or they can come. A lot of our moms actually already know the skill of a sewing machine just because it is a common skill in Haiti, but they have no job, you know, to do. So a lot of our moms, they come right in, sit down at the sewing machine and they can, they're ready to work. Yeah, they just didn't wow. have the opportunity for it. Right. That's really amazing. 
So you have been doing this now for quite a while. (laughs) And I'm sure that there are things that you look back on and say, wow, I wish that I could have like fast forwarded and known that from the (laughs) get-go. What are some of those things as you have, you know, I'm sure as we all do as entrepreneurs kind of stumbled your way through learning how to do this. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Man, first thing that comes to my mind is like, how to use social media? I mean, I'm not that old, but I was living in a third world for 10 years. That's basically like living under a rock. (laughs) That's true. I didn't really think about that because I came through college and, you know, 20s before all the social media really happened. And I still feel kind of detached from it. So I can't even imagine living somewhere where that's like not even a part of your life. What is this? (laughs) Yeah. And really, I mean, social media can just be a full time job in itself. So but you know, having the right pictures and branding and content, that's all that your potential buyer gets to see when they can't physically hold that product in their hands. So that has been so, so important for us to learn along the way. The second thing that I'm really thinking about, though, is I just wish that I had realized the power of collaboration. Yeah. You know, we tried to do so many things on our own for so long and it was just draining. And there's just such power in collaborating and working together. I just love that we now have artisan partnerships and that we team up with other ethical brands so we can increase our reach. Just collaboration over competition wins every time. Yeah, I think that that's something that took me a really long time to learn also. Well, first off, like everybody else that is doing something similar or in the same sort of niche or a complementary type thing, they're just people just like you, you know, you have a tendency to like, talk them up or in your mind, like build them up to nobody would want to work with me or they know so much more than me or, or they're like this awful person that's your competition. Right. (laughs) Um, And most of the time, that's not true. Most of the time, they're not really that awful. Right. Most of the time, they're just normal people doing their thing. (laughs) They're just a little bit further ahead than you. And there are, and I would imagine even more so for yours with a mission like this that you feel so passionately about, there are just these amazing opportunities to partner together and get that word out. And, And it's always a risk. I think it's a little bit scary to do that, but it can be really, really impactful. Yeah. I think it does take a long time for to just to go from that mindset of like, Oh, look at her. Look what she's doing. She did it first. I had that idea to like, Oh, yeah, you go girl. I can learn from you. I want to follow you. Like, that's awesome. And just being able to encourage one another. And we're all in this together as creators. Like this is just, you know, such a beautiful process and just blessing that we have to run these businesses that are hobbies or our jobs. (laughs) And that we can be encouraging one another and building a support system instead of just you know, all the nitpicking competition that really comes by nature more easily than (laughs) the excitement for collaboration. Yeah. And I think a lot of times it comes from a place of just being, I don't know if it's like nervous or what it is, like there's not enough buyers or there's not enough sales or there's not enough of a market. And so this person is like taking it directly from me, where really that's not That's really not true. (laughs) Right. There's so many buyers out there. (laughs) Yeah. And you don't have to have like a billion buyers to be successful in a business. You know, you don't have to have like an Apple type product that like every single household owns to to still really have an impactful business. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So true. 
Well, Mallory, thank you so much for coming on here today and telling us your story and telling us about this passion project of yours that's been so interesting for me to hear from sort of the business side and also, you know, the emotional side as well. Where can people find you online and find your shop and follow you? Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been so fun. I would love for the listeners to take a peek at our products. They can find us at giftofhopehaiti.org. And our Instagram handle is giftofhopehaiti. And they can also find my personal ethical fashion blog at malloryneptune.com or find me on Instagram at malloryneptune. And that's Mallory with an E. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for being here and for sharing with us. Thank you. I appreciate it.